This is Any Given Fun Day, presented by Joey and Ray on 104.5 The Team. Hey, yo. Welcome to another episode of Any Given Fun Day with uh, your host, well, co-host, Joey, and Big Raymond. Raymond, what's up, brother? How's it going? Another week. Um, some snow this week. Excited to go outside today and not see it on the ground after one to two days of it coming back back-to-back days, but New York, man, right? True that, dude. Yo, I don't know if you're hyped up tonight, but uh, tonight they got the uh, the last dance thing for Jordan coming out. Pretty hyped up for that. Definitely gonna definitely gonna kick back with a brew and, and, and watch a little bit of that. I don't know if oh, you're yeah. familiar. Yeah, you, you you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm actually. Uh, it's on my PS4 screen right now. That it's on the featured featured dude, list. So dude, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for it, man. It's gonna be. It's a good way to end your weekend, and it's gonna be a good way to go into the new week. I'm sure. Dude, have you seen like Jordan's like said he's like. He, he he told people he's like yeah people are just gonna hate me after this he's like I, the, the truth the truth is completely out after this yeah and they're gonna he's like everybody's gonna think I'm a jerk I'm like yeah. that's I mean that's why you're a winner though Mike so uh, how's everything dude how's everything you know another another week um, another week's gone by kind of in the same situation work's still been insane lately um, we sent out like twenty to twenty five things this weekend just me and my boss. Um, just on Friday alone and return like 10 or 12 things. Um, and let me tell you what, I, it's just, people are starting to, I feel like get bored. And so on the, when the weekend comes around, uh, they're, they're just trying to figure out something to do. They're trying to keep themselves busy and get that work that they've been, you know, pushing off around the house that they could do, you know, any weekend that they want for, for these weekends right now. So, um, another crazy week of work, but you know, we're, we're, we're making it through. How about you, brother? Well, if you if you were uh, wondering about how work's going for me, I mean, it's really tough getting up at like eleven every day. <laughs> you know, oh, rolling, it's really no tough, way. man. It's really tough. I know. <clears throat> I feel like we're, we we're on two opposite ends of this, and we <clears throat> both want to be in each other's shoes. Like you would rather probably be working. <laughs> I wouldn't. I would. I, I wouldn't mind work. <laughs> I wouldn't mind it. I mean. You know, it has its ups and downs, whatever. I mean, I yeah. kind of feel, I kind of feel lazy, but I'm sure everybody feels kind of lazy. Mm-hmm. But well, that isn't working. But I don't know. It has its ups and downs. But the good thing is, Ray. The good thing is, is that stuff hasn't stopped completely. Like we are still getting new news, and not in just sports either. Just like in everything, people are, and people are still like finding different ways to just entertain people. Like. As much as I hate TikTok, I, I think it's been kind of entertaining to a lot of people. Like I know my little sister has done a lot of, uh, actually both my sisters have done a lot of TikTok and, and and watching it and stuff. So like, man, I'm just happy that stuff hasn't completely shut down. Um, I mean, maybe like reality has, um, but you know, there's a lot of things that are still going on, and and that's the stuff that kind of keeps me going too, just because you know it is kind of depressing right now. But I think everybody's doing a good job of like. You know, entertaining other people. Social media has been a big help. Um, as much as we, you know, sometimes hate that stuff. I mean, I think that's really helped. So there's definitely some positives to come out of it. Um, and just like, uh, you know, last thing before we get into actual sports is uh, I was thinking about it. I'm like, you know, how many how many of these things that we're doing right now are going to stick after? Um, like just n- maybe not like the gloves and stuff and, and masks and, and stores. But what about like. I was thinking about this the other day. What about Zoom doctor's appointments? I feel like that's going to be a thing after this. Or like, you know, I feel like Zoom is going to be used after this this whole thing is over. And like, it's not just going to, 
you know, go away after. So I think that there's a lot of stuff that's came out of this that's that's been positive. And like, you know, as as bad as the situation may be, I feel like there's we're able to pull a few positive things out of it and, you know, maybe start some new things because of it. So, I mean, I'm not I'm not happy. I'm not happy by any means, but I'm also not sad, you know. Yeah, I hear you. And, you know, this is also brought out a lot in people showing showing people, you know, that stuff like this can happen and. You know, we need to be be better prepared for it. You know, if there is a next time, which hopefully it never gets to this, you know, extreme again. Like, like they've said, you know, this is, this is the first time it's happened in a hundred years. But because it's the first time it's happened in a hundred years, we're you know we're new to it, right? It's it's our generation's first time experiencing something like this for for the people who are dealing with it and and trying to you know um, control it in the best way possible. But the best thing is that we finally got some good news this week. I think it's the first time I've came home and heard my parents listen to a news source that said something good about the, about the virus where um, they said that it seems like social distancing is working. Hospital numbers are going down. Death rate has been going down. Um, and, you know, the number of cases in general has been going down across the country. So um, that's always a good thing to hear when, you know, when it seems like every day you wake up and, and there's, you're waiting to hear the next bad things that uh, yeah. the bad news that's coming to, to you. So, the positives, the positives are coming. They're coming, and it, we're all going to get through this, and we're going to live in a nice renaissance after this because everything, everybody's just going to be hyped. But um, yeah, dude, let's talk a little sports. I mean, you know, the, the corona, corona has its ups and downs. You know, whatever. But let's let's uh let's enlighten ourselves on some of the things that have been going on in the sports world, and uh, we'll start off with a story that kind of uh, surfaced in the last few days, um, and it is. You know, home in, in, of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I know that they've kind of cleaned house, uh, or they're trying to clean house um, as best as they can. The past year or two after their, uh, they made it to what the AFC Championship, and you know we saw Nick Foles come through. We saw these, you know, you know little acquisitions. We saw them get rid of Jalen Ramsey. Um, I know that uh, that linebacker that I really can't pronounce his name, but I think it's like Yannick Nagaku or something. He's he's on his way out, uh, even though he got franchise tagged. And, you know, those are all key parts of their team. And it seems like another key part of their team may be on his way out, too. And I feel like it's very mutual and that it's Leonard Fournette. Um, I, I, I'm sure you saw some of the news, Ray. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, it seems like Leonard wants out. And it seems like the Jaguars are, are, are fine with letting uh, Fournette, you know, get out of there. But uh, what's your thoughts on this whole situation? Yeah. The, the Jaguars recently, I felt like they, they could be a team that could build around, you know, what, what they had there. Obviously, Minshew has been, you know, he had the, the few games last year where he, where he kind of shined. But, um, you know, they have a really insane wide receiver who came up in, in DJ Chark. You know, you have a running back like Leonard Fournette who, when is healthy, has shown that he is still one of the better running backs in the league. And running backs right now comes at a premium. You know, there's not all a ton of top-tier running backs and, we talked about this before. Running backs don't stay around in this league and stay around as good, uh, you know, consistently as other as other positions on the field. Um, so, in my mind, the Jaguars, it's like you know, you're throwing, you're, you're getting all these guys in, you're you're starting to build and give you know your fans hope, right? When they haven't had the complete success season to season basis, you know, like a team like the Patriots or. Um, just like teams in general who consistently have good season after good season or at least have one good season where they come out 
um, you know, and, and make a run in the playoffs. You know, they haven't had that in a while. So for them to continuously get rid of players that obviously might not be great in the locker room, it other teams have shown, like the Rams getting Ramsey, you know, we haven't heard that much about him in the media since he went to L.A., which we thought was going to be a worse thing where um, he was going to have more meat around him, more more stuff like that. But they've done a really good job of controlling him and, and his actions and all that stuff. So, you know, I think what the problem is is, is just – the front office in Jacksonville. I, I don't like where they're going with this. You know, you have, it feels like you've been rebuilding for 20 years now, 10, 15, 20 years, whatever the case may be. And right now, I think that you need to give your fans some hope at this point, go out, make a move, bring someone in who's going to have, bring some X factor and bring some, you know, hype around this team and bring some of that back to Jacksonville right now. I think, and just to kind of, you know, run off what you said, there's, you know, they were so close just not too yeah. long ago. Yeah. And I, mean. I feel like everything was kind of set up for them to be good, like in the upcoming years. And then it seems like they were like scared of being good or something. And they regressed. Like they were like, okay, well, you know what we have, you know, I didn't think Blake Bortles was all, I mean, I don't think he was good, but I don't think he was like the, the number one problem on the team. No. Uh, and like, so when I saw it, the solution, no, 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 no. But I don't think that Nick Foles was the solution either. Right. Nor do I think Gardner Minshew is the solution either. But I don't know. There's, there's just that, that whole situation's kind of got me a little confused because, like, they were so close to being like a successful team and they were like snaps away from going to the Super Bowl. And, and then they just blow up the whole, the whole situation. But I, I, if I could just. <clears throat> Excuse me, if I could just go inside the, the head of like Coughlin and all these like Jacksonville, you know, higher ups, I just wish I want to know what their plan is going forward. Because Fournette is is an elite running back when healthy. He is a strong, strong guy. He can run fast. I mean, he's got, it's not like he's a one way, you know, he's not just grounding like he can make his moves, he can make his cuts, and we saw we see what he can do. So I guess my question at Jacksonville is, what's the plan? Like, if you don't have Leonard Fournette, then what are you gonna, what are you gonna use? Like, what are you gonna do? Because I think their backup running back was like Chris Ivory or something, who is just not gonna cut it. I don't even know if he's still on the team. I, you know, but it, I, I just, I don't get what Jacksonville's trying to do now that that there's, you know, that now they have Minshew at their quarterback, who's a brand new quarterback. Uh, you know, their defense is is dwindling. And I, I just don't get what direction Jacksonville was trying to get into. And here's another thing, too, going off of, you know, Minshew being new or newer, I guess you should say, to the team. You know, you have guys like Leonard Fournette who take pressure off guys like Gardner Minshew, who ease him into becoming a better quarterback in the league, right? Because, you know, it doesn't put everything on him to come out and perform every single day at his highest level right away when he's jumping into it. You know, we see, obviously, there's some rookies that can jump right into that spot. I don't think he's that guy. I think he needs some help. You know, like, keeping DJ Chark, I think, is another big part of this team moving forward because I, I, I just don't see how can how you can get rid of a guy like that who's that young and that talented. Um, uh, that would be kind of the icing on the cake for me with them. But in general, I think, you know, if they kept Fournette, kept Chark, brought in some other rookies, made them made Minshew feel comfortable, got him into a groove. I think, you know, we saw we saw him actually work some good plays last year or have some good games when when, you know, he had had the help around him. So um, yeah. I think there's a possibility there, but I don't think that him 
him and Chark by themselves will be able to to show off what maybe Minshew has in him, and I think will will hurt them in the future going forward. Yeah, I mean, and just to kind of end this whole Fournette thing, I mean, there's just a few things, too, that have kind of led up to this point, and one being uh, the other day he said to the uh, – he kind of said to the media, he was like, you know, I want, I want the Jaguars to go sign Cam Newton. And that was kind of, you know, step one in this, in this process of, all right, yep, nope, time for, time for Fournette to go because now he's, now he's insulting our decisions. So now they're like, all right, you know what, we're going to start taking calls on you. And they have until, I think, May 4th, which is a date that's, that's coming up quick on us, uh, to exercise their option on Fournette too. Um, but, you know, I get, I get it. He's been hurt. Missing 11 games in his first two years, I think it was. Um, he had a great year last year. I think he had, like, you know, around 1,100 uh, rushing yards. I, I mean, he played well. And I think he had over 1,600 scrimmage yards between, uh, you know, catching passes and, and running. But, I mean, I get he, he's kind of a he's, – he's not the best player to have in a locker room. I, I get that stuff. But at, at some point, you need to understand that you have talent. And you need to be able to, to work with that talent and, you know, kind of say, okay, is it worth us getting rid of you? Or can you show us that you're a valuable asset to this team? And, you know, you can switch your attitude around and we will adjust with you. You know what I mean? And that's, that's a pleasure that, that only the great players on teams have is, you know, GMs are willing to work with them and their egos. But I just don't get, I don't get what Jacksonville wants to do. I don't know what the, the possible return would be in a trade. I don't know, but, you know, I just think that the Jaguars are kind of jumping the gun on this instead of talking with him. I feel like there's a lack of communication there, and that might be part of the problem. And I feel like if they were able to work something out, I wouldn't mind seeing Cam as a backup quarterback there, one. And two, like, I just don't I don't know what direction they want to go in again. But time will tell. Time will tell. Yeah, and before, before we move to the next topic, I want to know who you think or what would be a good spot if he did end up leaving Jacksonville? A good spot for somebody like Fournette. Um, maybe like maybe Chicago. That's the first thing that might come to my head. Just because they have uh, they have Cohen and they have um, who they have run. Who's their number Montgomery. one now? Montgomery. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's tough, man. There's a lot of great running backs in the league right now, and. Fournette, Fournette is, is, you know, in his own head, and he knows that he wants a lot of money. So I don't know what team is going to be willing to pay that contract when, when it comes due. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't put him in that same elite, you know, category as, like, McCaffrey or Zeke. Like, he is not, he's not there. Um, and so I, I guess I, I don't really know. Maybe, like, Miami. I, I, it all depends, dude. There's so, there's so many things that are twirling around right now in the NFL – uh, as far as that stuff goes, that like, you know, you don't know. I, I don't know. I, I couldn't come up with one good team for him. There's just okay. there's too much going on. Maybe Miami. Maybe that might be a better team since Montgomery is kind of an up and coming running back too, and they don't want to get rid of him yet, or you know, they want to see what he can do. But I I don't know. Maybe Miami or something like that, and just you know, that's kind of where the the talent goes when it's when it may be washed up or not. And if if Fournette continues getting hurt, you know, that might be a spot. But we'll see. We'll see. I, I don't know. What do you think? For me, it goes straight to Tampa Bay. Like, you have a guy like Ronald Jones who we haven't seen perform well. He, he's not great. You bring a guy in like Tom Brady 
you know, you have the possibility of Leonard Fournette coming and showing, showing up with a guy like Tom Brady, who, who has made running backs who aren't even, you know, who we don't even know about at the start of the season end up being stars um, for at least that season by the end of the year. And it seems, seems to do it every single year. So I think a guy like Leonard Fournette who already has the talent that he has, they already have the firepower wide receiver and stuff like that. They're going to need to put up points that they don't put, if they don't bring anyone else in on the defensive side, like we've talked about so far um, on previous podcasts. So for me, the bucks in general, just, just makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, you have a lot of ups or there's a lot of positives that could come out of it. And I feel like even if he doesn't perform very well, it, it's not going to kill the team a lot. I feel like it's a chance that you should take, um, you know, you've already gone in with Tom Brady. You got, like I said, everything you need on an offensive side of the ball. Why not bring someone in like Fournette, who, if he can stay healthy, would add so much more, to, uh, just a different type of level to this offense and, and make them one, maybe the, one of the best um, offenses in the league, in my opinion. Um, but obviously that's if him staying healthy and, and everything like that. Them, um, along with the L.A. Rams, you know, they just got rid of Todd Gurley. Um, I don't really know where they're going to go. Jared Goff is definitely going to need some help. He has those three, a three-headed dragon, a wide receiver who, um, you know, obviously didn't perform as well last year just because Goff wasn't the same guy that he was the year before. So I think he is going to need help at, at running back for him to perform uh, the way that we saw him perform previous in previous years at, at wide receiver. So um, that I think those are really two teams. Obviously, I think I think Miami too actually would be would be a good fit for him. But, it's um, just, just the last yeah more contender wise. I think the last thing that to say about this too is just I don't I don't trust I don't trust Fournette's you know chemistry with the rest of that Buccaneers team. I feel like they're trying to establish something where like Tom comes in and he kind of brings his mentality and his you know, his personality into this situation where it's like a very uplifting, positive. And I just feel like Fournette is just in love with himself and he doesn't have that same like team, team mind, team like mindset that, that, you know, Tampa Bay is trying to establish because you saw what they did when AB got brought up. And I feel like Fournette's kind of in that same, you know, cocky kind of boat, but you know, I don't know. I don't know. Last Um, thing I'll say before we move on is, you notice that these guys who are are selfish and it seems like they're they're on teams. You know, we didn't see that side of Antonio Brown until the Steelers became that worse or like a non-contender type team, right? And you see a guy like Leonard Fournette who's been on a struggling Jacksonville Jaguars team. He hasn't felt the presence of winning. He hasn't. He's usually been the, one of, if not the best player on the team consistently, even when he was injured. So, you know, he hasn't had that. That, that reality check yet where, you know, I think Tom Brady is a, a type of guy who would put that into him and be like, hey, you're either going to be a team player and we're and you're going to win with us or you're going to go back to Jacksonville and continue losing for the rest of your career so you choose what you want to do. I like that. I like that. Um, let's move on. So we're this was one that you kind of brought up, and I, I like this. This is different. Um, so, what, Ray, I'll, give you, I'll bring it to you first. What's your thoughts on – NCAA players uh, only needing one year for the draft, like just specifically this year. Um, and we'll, we'll range that across all college sports. So football, baseball, basketball. Um, and just give me your thoughts, just what you think, because this year is, is very interesting and like there's not a lot of full seasons, if, if seasons at all. So, uh, so kind of hit me with what you got. Yeah, so we saw, I, I've seen a couple things this week where, you know, the top two out of that, I want to say five, right now um, prospects who 
who were coming out of college going into the NBA draft declared for the NBA draft instead of going back to college for another year uh, to be able to play. And a lot of them are freshmen. Um, most of the guys who are top prospects of the draft are guys who are one-and-done type guys. And this year, we didn't really even get to see those guys play. So it's like, you know, we didn't have a name, like I was telling Joe before the year or before the show, we don't have, we didn't have a guy like Zion this year where it was cultivating, you know, everybody to watch, um, watch Duke and watch, watch something like that happen this year. But, you know, some guys aren't all like Zion Williams. You know, they take a couple of years to get to get under their belt. You know, they don't just come right in and, and, and light it up like that. So it's more for me of, you know, they're leaning players more towards the money aspect instead of the environment aspect. And I, and I don't think I see a change in it um, anytime soon. So this year, I think, brings it more into perspective. You know, we March Madness is where we get to see those guys shine. Those third, fourth year guys who have been who have been grinding it out, stuff like that, and um, you also get to see the guys who you know are smaller school guys who are one and done type, who end up being one and done type players. And to me, it's just like you know, I feel like we need to bring the environment back to the NCAA. You know, um, baseball, like I said, is a little bit different where you can do. I want to say you can do one year, um, but if you stay a second year, I'm pretty sure you have to stay to your third year to be eligible for the draft again. Um, and then you can obviously go after your fourth year. For some reason, they don't do the second year. Um, NCAA, you know, we've seen guys like Trevor Lawrence come at least back for one or two years um, just because he, love, he loves Clemson and, and his own boys. So it's, it's something like that that makes you want to go back and, and watch and um, gives fans like that hope. So I think just in general right now is, is it really, is it a problem that we are having so many one-and-done type guys instead of being able to see these guys shine at a college level and, them being more worried um, about going to make money. Yeah, uh, I mean, it can go either way. Um, we'll start with the side of, of leaving school early. Um, I think that you miss out on a lot of um, experiences, I'd say, that you wouldn't, that you just won't get in a professional sport atmosphere. Um, where's, I, I just can't think of many, many players that have left an impact on college basketball. Like, uh, a long-lasting impact, I should say. Like, and the first one that comes to our minds, obviously, is Zion. And I think with Zion, it was, you know, we, we'll always know he was a Duke player, and we'll always remember, like, Zion and RJ, but there was also an expected championship, obviously. And I feel like we'll never, you know, we'll never get to know the end of it. And, and that, that kind of leaves a sour, sour taste in my mouth. Because I love, I love a good story. Uh, you know, that's what, that's what a lot of people enjoy is, is, you know, a story following this stuff. And there is no story. It was kind of, they all went, they played, and they were done. And that's the part that bothers me is, you know, there's so, there's so much of the book left, you know, to, that wasn't read or, you know, unwritten, we should say. But that's, that's the problem with me is I, I, I expected more from, from some of these college players. And, you know, we never got to see it. And obviously we can go into that conversation with how it went this year is we literally didn't get to see anything because it shut down. Um, but on the contrary to that, there's, there's going into the NBA right away. And I think that that's, a, that's also a positive. Um, you know, some players are, are mature enough and they want to get into, they want to get into the NBA. They want to make money. They want to support their family. They want to start their life. Um, and you got to take that all into consideration. So as much as we, we wanted to see, another year of Zion, RJ, and Reddish at Duke and win a championship, 
you think about this, the positives that have came out of it, and it, it extends way beyond basketball. All right, I mean, we, so we've seen the, the, the legendary videos of, of the, the Pelicans receiving the, you know, being told that they had the number one pick, and Zion, Zion coming to New Orleans in his first game there. And how about the, you know, his contributions to the efforts during this coronavirus of paying the employees? And, you know, that's all stuff that wouldn't have happened, right, if, if um, you know, they stayed an extra year or two in college. Uh, and that's the part that, that, you know, we kind of got to look at from a different lens because, you know, it is sports in one aspect, but it's also, you know, their life decisions. And if you, if you ask me, you know, there's a lot of players in the NBA right now that are very young that were ready to come into the league. And that, that, you know, that's their decision to make if they want to, if they think they're ready, there's also players that weren't ready to come into the league that could have been even better. Uh, and the number one example right th- right there is is some somebody like DeAndre Ayton. Was he you know, he dominated at the college level, but he also I feel like he, he wasn't physically ready to get in the NBA. Uh as you can see he's been hurt a lot. And I just you know, you don't see a lot of uh maturity. You saw the problems with the with the drugs and stuff like that. And that's just immature. And that's somebody who wasn't ready. So does it create problems? Yes, but it also creates great things. And you know, there's there's some players that are just ready for it and you don't you don't know until they're in there. And I think that's just that's kind of what you got to you got to weigh it out is are these players mature enough to go into the league at 19 years old and and have all this money and all this fame? And somebody like Zion was ready. Somebody like Lonzo, maybe he wasn't ready, you know, and you can go back and forth on on lottery picks over the past, you know, five, 10 years if, if you wanted to. But that's what it really comes down to me is are they mature enough or are they not mature enough? I agree, and the the thing I'll go off of um, of what you said is more. I don't. It's not that I think that these guys should go. You know, they need to go four years before they obviously go into the draft or anything like that. I think the 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 decision is should be theirs, and I obviously think that there's been a lot of positives and negatives to having one and done guys. We've seen guys come out of come out of one and done. You know, obviously shine and and bring a lot to the NBA. Bring a lot there as well but you also don't want to leave the college game behind because we have like i said there's so much to the college game where i feel like you know a lot a lot of people that i know personally like college watching college basketball more than the nba just because at least regular season wise just because the regular season of the nba is more um there's not a lot of defense it's more just kind of run and gun shoot shoot, hopefully um you know whoever makes more threes basically wins the game until you get to the playoffs where it gets better um as it goes on and the same thing with college as well obviously um, just to me, I think there should be at least a two year period where at least, you know, like you said, Zion didn't finish his story, right? You have a guy like that who it's, it, you have three guys who just went through something like that and didn't end up getting the chance to win a championship. You d- don't know if you're going to have that opportunity once you get to the NBA and, you know, with a team that dominant, you would think they would all just like look at each other and be like, let's give this one more ride. We know where we should have been and what we could do. And we know that we're going to be even better next year. Once we come up against guys who, you know, once we have a year under our belt, know what we, what we need to do consistently throughout the year. And um, I just think that at least a couple, at least two years would be sufficient just to give these guys, you know, the guys who, you know, we've talked about who maybe weren't ready. At least it gives some, maybe we'll give them something more. And um, like you said, obviously we wouldn't have had Zion, um, pay the salaries, like you said, but that shouldn't even be him in the first place, man. I mean, I, I love what he did. I'm happy that he did it, but that needs to be higher-ups and 
um, other people in general stepping up in from the front office of the teams like the Pelicans and just teams around the league in general. But obviously, a great, a great, um, a shout out to him for doing that. But um, in general, that that's my my take on it. Yeah, and you know, it, like I said, it has its ups and downs. You know, as does a lot of situations, but. You know, there are some things that you just got to weigh. You got to weigh. And I think with with especially this year in general, um, that comes. it's just it's, it, you know, a coach can't make that decision. Uh, uh, you know, a uh, an agent of a player can't make that decision. It's got to be, you know, the player saying, all right, am I ready to take this next step or do I want to stay back and kind of, you know, get the full college experience of of, you know, waiting for the NBA draft or like waiting for the NFL draft and, and winning with your team. I feel like you got to establish winning in college. And if you don't win in college, it, you know, that mindset kind of translates over into the, into the professional uh, world. And you saw that with somebody like Joe Burrow. Um, if you want to talk a little football and like, you know, Joe was a winner at LSU and he said, and you know, he established himself in college as what a three or four year player. And now he's coming to the NFL with the mindset of, I've been I've been a winner since I was five years old, and now I'm going to be a winner in the NBA or in the in the uh, NFL. And so that's something that like a lot of players just you know they're mo- they're money hungry, and you know I'm excited. And that that you know kind of it says a lot about a player if they're if they're a winner in college, then you know they want to bring that winning mindset, and they don't want to lose in their professional uh, career. So I don't know. There's a lot to lot to you know weigh in as far as if it's a good thing or a bad thing. And, you know, how to speculate on it. It's if the player's ready or not. And, you know, it's it's very visible. You know, this stuff doesn't go, you know, under the ra- radar when it's it's actually, you know, they're in their, their professional career. But I, I, I don't know. I don't know, Ray. Just because there, there's some players that are ready, so it's tough to make the argument that, you know, all players should have to play two years because yeah. you see some of the best talent. You see some of guys who, who are just ready to grow up. And that's and that's the main thing for me is are you ready are you ready to be a man or you or a woman like an adult I should say or are you know are you still a kid and you want to experience things that you can only experience in college and that's where I'll leave with that. Yeah, and the last thing is I've just I feel like I see it so many times and I hate seeing guys who you know make that mistake right because not everyone's gonna make the right move of being like oh I need to say nothing in college before I go because they're just. You know, they want that money right up front, and then they end up only having a two- to three-year career, either get injured or just don't end up playing to the to the level that they did in college. And I guess that's where I come from is just watching these guys go through that and knowing that they could have a longevity and a, and a longer career, and, you know, whether that be basketball, baseball, football, or any sport in general professionally. I feel like in general they, they just need something that stops that from happening because I feel like it, it, it happens too often where you see a guy come out of college absolutely fired up and then they go to a bad team or something like that and then they can't perform at the level because they don't have any help around them. And, and you know, they're asked to be the main guy. And I think that that just creates an issue where, you know, you're taking this guy who's 19 years old and then by 2021, he doesn't have a job, he doesn't have a college degree. And, you know what I mean? It, it puts them in a completely bad spot where, you know, you're like, what do you do now? Because most likely you weren't paying that college, you, you got that full ride to go there you only play that one year you go somewhere else and you, you go for the money aspect of it and you obviously have money for years to come but you're still going to need something other than you know the, the five to seven million dollar bonus that you got for getting picked first overall in the nba draft or something like that like um 
oh my god, what's his name? Um, who got draft number one overall by the Timberwolves like four or five years ago? It was a complete bust. Uh, Timberwolves. You're not talking Wiggins, are you? In the, um, or no, he got drafted by the Cavs and then got traded. Oh, yeah, Anthony Bennett. Something like that. Anthony Bennett. I can't remember. He went to San Diego State. It's like Anthony. Anthony Bennett. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Someone like that was the number one overall pick, and I don't even know if he's still in the league at this point, and he's probably 22, 23 years old. Ah, and you're bringing us right into the next topic, Ray. Ray, I got to ask you, buddy. Is that a segue? Is that what just happened? That was a professional segue if I've ever done heard one. Ray, please tell me, who's the biggest bust in sports history? Okay, this is my personal opinion. This isn't, you know, I don't think that this is overall the biggest bust. He, I think he's up there, definitely. Um, but from being an Ohio State fan, watching this man dominate, and I mean dominate the college game and, and have a absolutely tough loss um, um, in the championship. But, you know, he was healthy, and when he was healthy, this man – was an absolute stud. 15 and I want to say it was 11 in his freshman year at Ohio State. 2007 All Big Ten Player of the Year, All Defense Player of the Year, All Trinity Team, all Big Ten All Freshman, Big Ten Rookie of the Year. The, the dude did it all and and really created a buzz to me. That was really when I started watching um, Ohio State basketball, honestly, and kind of got into it. I'm pretty sure they lost a Florida, I want to say it was back in 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, but just watching Greg Oden, man, was, was an actual show in college. And he just dominated the paint in every single aspect. I mean, you got the ball down to him at the block, and it was basically a score every single time. It was a shocker to me that they didn't use him more. Um, we had a lot of three, three-point shooters on that team. I want to say D. Blue was on the, John D. Blue was on that team as well, um, who absolutely lit it up from three-point line. But in general, um, watching Odin get drafted overall to to the Trailblazers and you know hoping that him and Brandon Roy were going to be something um, going in going into his career, and then him just coming out, you know having I want to say he right right from the get go he had he had a knee injury he didn't even play in his first season um, that he was eligible to play in two thousand seven two thousand eight once he got drafted. And then you know he had the knee injury, played for two, played for two seasons, then was out for four to five years, and then after that, we didn't see, we haven't seen him since. Um, and the biggest number that he put up was 11 points per game, and I want to say it was eight rebounds, and that was in 21 games as an NBA professional player. So uh, to me, it was just I saw him as going into the NBA and just dominating everyone that he saw in sight, being the best big man in the NBA, and. Um, you know, I feel like it's we, – we've seen it with Embiid, I think, too, is, you know, you, you if you get a guy like Embiid who, who can dominate and use his talent, he can, you can have a good big man in the NBA. And obviously he learned to shoot threes and um, conjoined to what the NBA was. But the NBA wasn't really like that back when he was, you know, 10, 15 years ago when Odin came into the league. So I don't think he would have needed to do it. I just think him not being able to stay healthy and, you know – not performing when he was there, it, it seemed like, you know, you go from something like as dominant as that from a college aspect to being, you know, a joke when you really come down to it, talking about a guy like that who 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 played three full or three half seasons, it seems like, 
and really just had knee injuries. And when he did, he wasn't a factor on a team that, you know, could have really used someone like him um, to, to stand out and, and, and help the Blazers who weren't a very talented team at that point in general in the first place. And I think it would have benefited Brandon Roy. Obviously he had ended up having the injuries too, but he had, when he was there, he, he made an impact at least. So Odin in general for me was just a big disappointment. And I can't believe that I, I couldn't fit personally believe from watching him from you know his college days, <clears throat> excuse me, to seeing a guy like that with that much talent come into the NBA and just flop like that was just shocking to me. Interesting. I, I like that. I like it. I think. I mean, it kind of it's kind of the same thing that I'm going through, as far as you know when I picked my guy, and I'll kick it to what 2013 I think it was, and it, we were actually just talking about him. So I'll go out right out and say, and it was Anthony Bennett. Um, he was he was okay. He went to uh, UNLV, I think it was UNLV, right. Okay, I, I thought it was. I knew it was out there. The one of the smaller schools. Yeah. So UNLV, I think he played. Uh, I think it was thirty-five games. He had about sixteen points and eight rebounds. Shot about fifty-something uh, percent. It was I want to say like fifty-four uh, percent field goal. Um, he, he was he was solid. Okay, he was solid. But there's there's obviously some things that I would have looked back on and said, all right, you know, why why are we picking him number one uh, as like a 65 percent free throw shooter? You know, didn't really show much in the passing game. I mean, in order to be a number one pick, I feel you need to be solid in in, in a lot of categories. And, you know, I, I'm not going to hate on the pick, but I mean, you see what he what he did once he came into the NBA. And, you know, before we get in there, actually, I, I actually looked up uh, the 2013 draft class and. Just some, just here's some names I'm going to throw at you that that went way behind him. Um, this one not way behind, but Oladipo went second to Orlando. Um, you see, C.J. McCollum went to Portland uh, at the tenth pick. Giannis was in that draft as the number fifteen pick to Milwaukee. Um, you Tony know, Snell. Tony Snell, big Tony Snell from New Mexico. Uh, Rudy Gobert went at the end of the first round. I mean. There, there's so many players in this draft that that it could have even showed more potential, um, but you know I won't go into that too much. But there's just a few names. I mean, Nerlens Noel, Contavious Caldwell Pope, Otto Porter, uh, you know Dennis Schroeder. There's so many. Stephen Adams. Um, these are all players that that you know were were drafted behind him, and I just don't get one what they saw in Anthony Bennett. But I mean, you go to his his professional career in in 2013. As the number one pick, he played 12, 13 minutes a game. I think he had like four points, had like a 35% field goal percentage. Um, he was, you know, killing the boards in, in college. And then he comes to the NBA and gets three rebounds. Um, you know, and you, maybe you're like, okay, well, you know, maybe it was like that first round or first pick, like kind of flop and maybe he'll come back. And, you know, he follows it up in Minnesota with, with uh, 57 games played. He played a whole uh, whopping 15 minutes. Uh, he scored five points. Uh, had a little uptick in his field pro- field goal percentage. Um, but you know, as a, as a number one pick, playing 15 minutes, and that was his that was actually his career high in minutes. Uh, was was 16 minutes a game as as his average minutes per game in a season. Um, and then he just kind of dwindled off and fell off from there. And you know, made an appearance with the Rockets, and he was a G League uh, All Star, I think. And uh, yeah, what a flop! And 
you know, it kind of is the same thing um, that you were talking about with with coming in and trying to save a team that needed saving. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, Kyrie was on the team by then too. So you see, you're like, all right, you know, we're going to have, we have Kyrie, we're going to bring in this kid, Anthony Bennett with the number one pick, you know, they're going to pair up well together and no, nope, absolutely not. But you know, this could be a huge list of players <laughs> that you could go off of as, as, as busts, but Anthony Bennett literally ran his way out of the league. I mean, at least Odin's name is still out there and memorable. And, like, you know, nobody yeah. cares about where Anthony Bennett is. No offense to him. I'm, but, like, nobody cares where he is. Nobody knows what he's doing. You know, when he was in the league, he was he played worthless minutes. I mean, I get it. He was, you know, he was injury played to an extent, too. But he, he's got to hold down the number one spot for me. I mean, he was treacherous. Uh, I don't even – I'm not even sure why he was a first-round pick. Looking back at it, I mean, he was – Pretty, pretty awful. I mean, he never averaged over an assist a game. Um, and in 2015, I think he played for Toronto and played like 20 games. Shot like less than 30%. I mean, just just awful, awful numbers. Like, Ray, I mean, you could go out there and, and, and drop 35% from field goal. So, like, Anthony Bennett, there's a, we got a serious problem here. But I won't, I won't extend too much on this because it'll just make me angry talking about how, how trash he is. But he, he's holding down the number one spot, so shout out to Anthony Bennett for that one. What I remember about that draft, too, is I was I remember being at Donato's house with Mike um, in general and being in the garage, and we were all, like, so hyped up about that draft. But who was going to be the number one overall pick? And then the Timberwolves come out and say Anthony Bennett, and we all looked at each other and go, who? <laughs> we had literally no. We were like, "Who is this guy?" We were like, he, you know, he wasn't on anyone's draft board. That was the first time that I really saw someone come out of absolutely nowhere, um, in in a term of, of of a draft standpoint. Like you don't see that in the NFL really, or any of the drafts to be completely honest with. Where you know someone comes out of nowhere and the, the projections are that off. And that was one where it was like, "This better work, or else the Timberwolves are going to look really, really dumb." And like you just said, with all the stats that were, it, it, it was it was one of those where you know he didn't have a great, insane college career, and they took a chance on him, and it just it did not work out. A career a career four points per game, three rebounds, point five point five assists, shooting a solid thirty nine percent from field goal, followed up by a strong showing of twenty six percent from three. So. What a, what a career for the guy, and you know I, I wish him the best in his retirement, um, because you know he's not, what a phenomenal player and just a, a you know a, a trans uh, whatever they call it athlete, you know just an absolute beast. Um, but we'll move on from him, you know we'll leave him to his his greatness. But uh, right, last thing we got here, man, and this has been something that we've been talking about a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, well, maybe not us in general, but the, the sports world and especially the MLB world as we've been talking about. And that's how should the MLB handle uh, Hall of Famers that, that, well, should handle players that have done steroids that want to now be in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, so this is another, for me, a lot of people are going to look at me and be like, oh, you're the baseball guy, you need to, you know, you, you're going to be the, um, the stickler on this as well. But it's more of, I have I have my own opinion here, so if you don't agree, you don't agree, right? There's a reason it's called opinion. So I just want to let everyone know that up front because a lot of people I feel like are going to disagree with me on this stance, um, most likely or most mostly including you, Joe, as well. 
Um, obviously, I first off want to say I don't condone cheating in any single sport in general. Um, I, I don't think that it should be uh, a, a rewarded in, in aspects. Um, for me, hitting a baseball uh, scientifically as well has shown that it's the hardest thing to do in the sports world, right? Injecting right. your body with steroids makes you a stronger human being. It does not make you a more talented baseball player. In a sense, yes, it does, but it does not increase your, you know, it does not increase your vision, how well you swing the bat, how well you can field, how well, I, I mean, like, it brings an aspect to your body that obviously is going to help you in, in certain aspects, but it does not physically make you a better baseball player, in my opinion. Um, obviously, steroids, you know, makes you, like I said, just makes you a stronger human. So from that aspect to, you know, you look at a guy of what Barry Bonds did in general, who was a 14-time All-Star, a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7-time MVP, a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15-time Silver Slugger, multiple-time Gold Glover. Um, you know, hitting a baseball is not an easy thing to do. And what Barry Bonds did, obviously towards the back half of his career as a San Francisco Giant, is something that I think needs to be remembered. I don't know if he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Because like I said, I don't think cheating should be rewarded. But I also think that what he did, he he still had to put bat the ball. There was no, there's no way that you cannot practice and do as much that he did in his career to put him to where he needed to be. And obviously he had an additive boost just like Mark McGuire, just like Sammy Sosa. But look what those guys did. Did those guys go and break the home run record with series? No, they had, they had really good, really memorable seasons. I mean, you look at a guy like Rafael Primero. He did not have, you know, he, he's like would be on the edge if he didn't have, um, I think he would make the Hall of Fame eventually, but I don't think he is a top tier Hall of Fame player, even if, you know, he didn't have the steroids leaning around him. So you look at guys like that and obviously, you know, not everyone has prospered from, from the benefit of using steroids. And and like I said, it's not something that I say you should do, obviously, to help yourself. And uh, it's been cracked down way, way more um, recently. But I just feel like, for me, you know, for a guy to have 762 home runs, obviously, um, <clears throat> you know, steroids is going gonna, is gonna to help your power and everything like that. But he still had, back when he first started on the Giants, I don't exactly know when he started taking it, but he had a 46 home run season. I'm guessing when he had the steroids, he probably had the 73 home run season. But um, once he got caught and everything like that, he kind of he had that he had the suspension, came back, and then um, had a you know at 42 years old in 2007 came back and said I'm going to do this and had a still had a 28 home run season in 126 games at 42 years old and, and made the All Star team. So um, just in general, for me, Barry Bonds alone is, is is a guy who, in my mind, changed the game of baseball, made a lot of people want to watch the game of baseball and obviously I don't think steroids was the main cause of that because you know like I said it's it's an enhancer it's not to me playing baseball is is, is about being able to put time in and I think Barry just lost the the aspect of that once he got to a certain point and probably got to a certain age where he was like oh he probably got to 35 and was like I could probably do this if I play another seven to eight years and went went that route that was that was a wrongdoing as is my is my main point in all of this. So I, I don't really know where they should stand. I, like I said, I think 
it should be a case-to-case basis. But if you let one cheater in, they're going to have to let multiple cheaters in. So I've been on the fence about this topic and thought about this a lot since, you know, we've had guys like, like a Barry Bonds who has a record-breaking home run record, and who knows if that will ever be broken, at least in our lifetime. So, um, yeah, I don't know where to stand on this, honestly. Okay. All right. Uh, I, I, I do agree with one thing that you said. Uh, well, no, I mean, I agree with a lot of things you said, but one thing that stuck out to me was, you know, if you let one in, you let them all in. Yeah. And I think that to – so here's my, here's my thoughts on it. So if you – and we'll take this to, to a modern-day player like A-Rod, okay? A-Rod was, just finished his career, what, two, three years ago. Um, so you look at A-Rod now, and he's in the public eye, and he's a great – you know, everybody loves what he, what he does. You know, he's with J-Lo, and he, he – he kind of put it, puts on this whole, like, you know, he's this dad, you know, dad life, like, kind of just, you know, new guy. But that doesn't take away from what A-Rod did. And I loved A-Rod as a player, and but I hated what he did as a steroid user, okay? And I'm saying this from a Yankees perspective because A-Rod helped bring us a championship uh, back in 09. Like, you know, he was on great runs with the team, uh, a very, very important part to everything that, that New York's done over the past decade or two. Um, and saying this as a Yankees fan, I, I, don't, I don't think that steroid users should be allowed in the Hall of Fame, uh, regardless of what you do, because, uh, right, and I'll put it in, 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 a, in this way for you, okay? So if you, if you hit, if, say you went to the batting cage, for, you know, every day for the next year, okay, and you practice hitting 90, you know, 90-mile-per-hour 90 fastballs, 95-mile-per-hour fastballs, you know, and then you had somebody pitch to you and you hit curveballs and you learned how to hit curveballs and you learned how to hit this and you got your timing down. OK, all you're doing now is setting yourself up to be the caliber of a player that can hit in the MLB. OK, same thing with fielding, you practice fielding that. But that, you know, fielding is, is something that you got or you don't got. OK, and now you take this to the next level and you say, all right, now that you can hit the ball, all you can do is make contact. OK, now you get you get your fundamentals down. And you start hitting, you know, whatever, okay. But now what these guys have done, Ray, is they've taken that that initial hit that gets them into the into the league and you juice yourself up to where when you hit that ball, it just flies now. You're so you're so damn big that every time you hit the ball, which would normally just be a hit, okay, because that's what you know, with a normal person, you know, you're not you're not superhuman strong, you're not the Hulk. It's gonna be a hit, or you're just gonna hit the ball out there. But now you're putting it to the point where you every time that you make contact with the ball, that thing sails. All right. And it may not be a home run every time, but it's going to the ball's going to be hit three, four times harder than it would normally be because you're so damn big. So that's where it comes into, into play for me is I do understand that it takes an, a tremendous amount of skill to hit a baseball, tremendous amount of skill to feel the baseball. I mean, it's, it's tough stuff because you never know how it's going to bump, you know, jump up to you, whatever, how fast it's coming in, up and down, you know, whatever. There's so many, so many scientific things that go into hitting a baseball. However, when you, when you juice yourself up like that, there's, there's no, to me, it's, it, it takes any integrity out of the game. Okay. And I could say the same thing about cheating, you know, from the Astros standpoint. And I just don't think that there's a place for cheaters and, you don't you don't praise cheaters in sports, regardless of what they did, and you can't. And to me, it's it's a simple. You you don't put them in. You don't put them in. Barry Bonds does not deserve to be in. A Rod does not deserve to be in. 
you know, Sosa, McGuire, you, I mean, you, you name them. Anybody who's injected steroids in their body, Roger Clemens, you know, the, the list could go on forever. They don't deserve to be in it. It's for the simple fact that you don't condone cheating in sports. Um, it's an integrity thing, and it's, it's a culture. Sports is a culture. And to, to allow that to be a norm and, and say, all right, you know what, well, you know, their stats besides that, you know, when they, when they, you know, how do we know that in, in 2004 that, you know, Billy Bob was doing steroids during, you know, this series against the Pirates where he had four home. You can't, you can't dig that deep. Um, and, and you look at it from a career because that's what it comes down to is you look back, you establish yourself, you establish, you know, highlights and memories throughout your career. And that's what you're remembered by. You're not remembered by, you know, July 13th and in, in 90 and in 97 when, you know, you had back to back, you know, whatever it may be, whatever that thing. But to me, it's, it's a simple, no, absolutely not. There's no, there's no spot for, for cheating um, and steroid using in the hall of fame, just because that, then it, then it extends among different sports and it just gets ugly. And then we're letting people in that, that have no right to be in there, in there. And to me, it's, you know, and I feel bad because there are some players who only did it for a little while or something, but if you choose to do that, then you, you face the consequences of, of, of ruining your legacy. And I think that's what it does. And, you know, I'm not going to go out too crazy on this because, you know, I have, I do have one more thing that I wanted to touch on, but it, there's no, there's no, there's no spot for, for cheating in sports. And regardless of MLB, how hard it is to hit a baseball, whatever it may be. Uh, there's no, for me, it's, it's a simple no. Yeah. I, I, I'm more, I'm more or less, like I said, I don't condone cheating. I don't think, um, it, you know, it, it should be allowed or anything like that. But for me, <clears throat> it's just like, you know, you have a guy who's, who's had this career and, you know, people, obviously people make mistakes and I get cheating is, is, is different than making a mistake. Right. But I don't know a guy who I look at, I look at stats like this and I see this career that it just goes straight to waste. Um, because, yeah. <clears throat> because of one, because of a mistake that he had at some point in his career. And, um, I guess for me, uh, a lover of the game, watching watching him, his highlights and stuff like that, no, like knowing that he was and probably could have been up near what his stats show without using steroids, is is more of a disappointment to me in general that we'll never never get to see recognition for him. Um, so I guess that's my where I'm more coming from is not that I think that cheaters should be allowed to get into the Hall of Fame. More of you know you get careers like this, like Roger Clemens, like Mark McGuire. We're never going to be able to see them, you know, really recognized for because of one mistake that they made in their career. So um, I, I agree with you where, you know, it could it could lead to cheaters going or or it being allowed in other sports. Um, but that's why I said like a case to case basis. It's I mean, I, I don't know. You I, just got to set a precedent. You got to set the precedent yeah. of, of there's no the, there's no cheating. Yeah, and I guess that's that's kind of where you have to stand on it, and there's no really way around it. It just sucks knowing that what what he what he could have meant to to baseball and the players growing up in general if he if he hadn't injected himself. You know, I think he, you know, obviously he, if you saw him from his rookie season to I want to say his sixth or seventh year, he got really really big, and people were like, how the heck did he do that? But um, I know obviously Royds took a spot in that but i think he also worked his ass off and um you know like i said i think he could have just been what the player that he ended up being 
um, without without cheating. So I guess more of going to waste is just sucks for me seeing a guy like that. And um, but no, there's, I agree with you. I don't think I don't think there's a spot for it. Yeah, I just I can't I can't. I can't allow myself to say it's okay for somebody to inject themselves with steroids and then be be awarded on the highest level of of, of professional sports of getting into the Hall of Fame in your sport. Um, yeah, when you when you do stuff that's just too. exactly, so. and that's what that's what it comes down to for me in in sports is integrity and how true you are to your your sport and how how well you you know you show yourself because that's only half the battle. But uh, Ray, I just want to hop into one last thing real quick before we end the show, and that's. That's just some uplifting news um, of one. There's there's hope that sports will be back very, <clears throat> very, very soon. Um, whether it be you know the two sports that are that are really you know pushing for it are the PGA and the uh, UFC. Um, and UFC as of right now, okay. And this w- this I want to say it will change, but nothing nothing set in stone. This can still happen. On May 9th, they're supposed to have a huge fight card. Okay. And this is more of just an update to people than it is maybe a, a topic of conversation. Um, but there's also hope uh, that the PGA will return on June 8th uh, through the 14th. Um, and that's, you know, I, it seems like a long, long time away. But if you see how fast, you know, time's gone by in the past month, uh, you know, it'll be here before we blink our eyes again. So I don't know. I just kind of wanted to, to let people know and, and maybe just... Uh, you know, kind of um, end on a, on a high note here of there's sports coming back. It's not going to, you know, this has been the first time ever that we haven't had sports. So obviously it's it's left impacts on people. And I just want people to know that sports is coming back and watch golf. Just watch it because it's still sports. It's still competition. You know, Tiger, Tiger will probably be there and he's fun to watch. I've watched some of my best sporting things with Tiger on the TV. I mean, you saw it a couple years ago when he when he had the comeback win at the um, it wasn't the Masters, was it, Ray? Masters. It yeah, was it the Masters. I mean, that you can't make that up. You can't make that up. But I don't know. PGA is coming back. Golf will be back before we know it. And so will UFC. And like, dude, I'm hyped. Uh, like, just hearing hearing that sports is scheduled and it's it's circled on 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 the calendar, man. Ooh, oh man. You know, I, I'm ready. I'm ready to go to you know put my online rivers bets in, man, and get after it. <laughs> I'm getting excited thinking about it too. You know, golf actually is if you if you enjoy playing golf, you'll enjoy watching golf. I love actually watching golf in general. Um I was pretty upset when um, you know, I knew the Masters was gonna be postponed and not, you know, really bring you right into that spring feeling in April. I mean just just doing that on Easter Sunday, man, waking up, watching watching everyone go out there and and, and play their hearts out for, for the green jacket is um, is something else. It's actually one of my favorite things to watch in general uh, uh, um, in, in sports is uh, golf tournaments just because you, you feel like some most of the time you will see a different guy every week step up in just random spots and guys will just play out of their minds, which, uh, you know, isn't the case in a lot of sports. You know, you'll obviously see the guys stay at the top, but, you know, anyone can have a great day in golf and come out on top, which is another reason why I love watching it. You know, you'll get an amateur who will come out on top one day and, um, you know, finish fifth at the masters and then he'll be a household name for, for years to come. So it's, it's, um, it's a cool sport to watch and a lot, a lot of fun to, to keep up with. And I think, 
uh, with the UFC as well. I think it, it's big for, um, you know, there's a lot of fighting fans in general in the world who, who can't, you know, won't be able to watch boxing. Or I, I think that sport has just become really big, and uh, McGregor obviously has helped that out in general, but has, has led the path to a new world that we're living in now where it, it's, it's a big sport and it has a ton of money involved in it as well where um you know so two sports like that coming back will um will help people in general with with mental state and uh, uh hopefully in, in my opinion um just lead the way for for other sports to come back one by one as well and you know i, I honestly thought that it was going to be the nba that was going to make the first move because we saw the nba was the one who kind of you know shut everything down uh in general in the first place so i thought it was going to be uh, them leaving it back up, but I think they'll be uh, right on the back end of, of these other two sports coming back as well. So I'm excited. Yeah, and I'll end with with one more positive, positive, great, great thing, Ray. And you, this will be this will be news to you because it's news to me too. And you know, hopefully, a lot of the people that listen to this will be uh, will have a nice uh, smile on their face when they hear this. But um, it is with my with my uh, happiest. Biggest grin on my face to say that uh, there are, as of um, today, actually, there's actually uh, a couple golf courses open around us now, um, and they just uh, they had just came into they had just talked with uh, the Empire State Development, um, which is like the the big golf thing or whatever, and they talked and yeah, dude, it looks like Town of Colonies open again. It looks like. Um, they're allowing people to go out and golf. Uh, no golf carts, so you can only walk. Um, but you will be able to go out and golf and, you know, enjoy enjoy a day like this. And there's nothing, nothing. There's no rule book out there that says that you cannot put, you know, beer in your in your golf bag and just and just drink <laughs> drink some beer and hit some golf balls. Nothing um, better, man. There's nothing really better. there's really nothing better. Shaking um, one right into into a into a hotel parking lot just makes you, and then you go back and reek tea, and you do the same thing, and you do the same thing. But it is with it is with uh, with great great gratitude to say that uh, that golf courses are open again to an extent, um, yeah. and Most obviously you got to social time. social distance and and do all that good stuff. Um, but they are open, and you can bet your butt, Ray. That after I do the work that I need to do for between this and school and you know clean up or whatever, it, you know I'm, I might go over and uh, clap a couple golf balls. And yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I might join you. I might I might see you at Mill Road, Joe. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm I'm definitely not ruining anything out of the question right now. <laughs> but um, right, the weather's way too nice to be sitting here and and you know reminiscing on bad things. So um, I wish you the best of uh. Best of luck this week with your uh, with your your happy old job there, and uh, you know I hope I hope uh, people are still you know pushing through this and and doing their best, and uh, you know I wish I wish you all the best as well, and you know that me and Ray will be here again next Sunday. Yes, sir. Um, and the last thing too, if you get bored at all um, in these next coming months, there is you know uh, every single team right now for the MLB has a one player that is doing an MLB the Show League. Um, that they stream pretty much every night live on Twitch. Um, you can pretty much go to the, if you look up MLB the Show on on Twitter or Instagram, they'll they'll have links to it, and um, they have all 30 players that are involved in it. And let me tell you what, it's a lot of fun to watch um, seeing guys, you know, actually get you know hyped up when they when they hit a home run 
uh, with themselves or something like that that they're playing with. And um, so if you're if you're bored or have time on your hands, it, it's um, it's another thing to watch and um, gives you live reactions of players and stuff like that too. So. Heck yeah. Love positive stuff. Love it. All right, dude. Let's get out of here. Um, I will maybe see you on the golf course, Ray. Yes, sir. All right, guys. Have a great week, and we will talk to you again soon. Thank All right, you. peace. Peace.